0: unsanctioned UCI women's cycling show we are in the grip of World Cup fever and I am here with my dear friend Sarah my name is Dan thank you for joining us Sarah Trofeo Alfredo Binder
1: Binder I love this race I love this race Daniel
0: I love this race too not least because it sounds like a really 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 awesome creamy pasta dish
1: you know, Alfredo Bindler was an Italian uh, cycling superstar from the mid-1920s to the mid-1930s who was the first man to win multiple editions of the Giro d'Italia.
0: Um, and, oddly enough, won very, very, very few women's professional bike races.
1: Yes, but it's this race is... I Oh, I'm not going to tell you how old it is in relation to me because that's embarrassing. <laughs> no,
0: sorry. <laughs> People might be able to do maths. Oh, God. <laughs>
1: I mean, this race is 20 years older than me, as it's been. (laughs) It's got a long history, people. It's an amazing race. It's very, very interesting. Um, It's a long history. It was dominated by the Italians for years and years. But in the past seven years, there's only been three riders who've won it. And that's been Nicole Cook, Emma Pooley, who's won it twice in the last seven years, and Mariana Voss, who's won it three times, and if she wins another time, will be the first rider ever to win four editions of the race.
0: Amazing. And not out of the realms of possibility at all.
1: No, but I mean, that makes it sound like it's a very... that that might make it sound like it's not... You know, that it's a very predictable race, and it's absolutely not. They start out on this really big loop up through Varese, and, oh, my God, damn, the scenery's gorgeous. Generally, it rains in Italy all the time at this uh, this time of year, so, you know, you, you tend to see more of the driving rain than the beautiful lakes and things like that. But they ride one giant one giant big loop, and then they hit small loops with a killer hill and a killer descent in it, and then it has an uphill finish line. Amazing. And basically, every time they go around the small lap, more and more riders drop off the back. If you finish, again, like all the World Cups, if you finish this one, you deserve a prize because it's super hard. It's super attritional. I know I keep saying that, but oh my God, it is. Everyone attacks on this hill every single lap. And then it just goes and it can be won by a solo breakaway, Emma Pooley, in her trademark suicide attack. Yay, Emma! And... Not not riding this year, but still, yay, Emma. Or it can be won by a little group. It can be, you know, there's all sorts of ways it can go. And, yeah, I love this race.
0: Well, in that case, who do you think is going to uh, be in the decisive uh, selection or the crazy solo breakaway or win the kick at the finish?
1: I find it hard to look past Mariana because it's Mariana. She Mm -hmm. is she is a goddess but I think riders the type of riders who will do well here um, people like Martina Brass will, has, is, it's, she's very good she's good she'll be in she's, she was has previously been in a lot of the moves um, I'm not sure how her season's going this year but um, Trixie Warwick yep. I think will be up there um, Annemiek van Vluten um, you also always have to look out for the Italians in this race. It's a race on Italian soil. They extra especially want to win. Um, last year, Tatiana Gudertso came second and Noemi Cantele came sixth. So, you know, watch out for them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Emma Johansson. Now, yes. do you remember last week when we left? Dear listener, Emma Johansson had got, I think it was five bronze third places in a row.
0: Yes yes indeed and i speculated at that point that perhaps her frustration at uh, at that many third placings may have overwhelmed any uh, any joy that she felt at you know having performed so consistently across so many different kinds of races
1: yes and she had a blog she had a blog on her website about this um and in that blog she's got this quote i'm a bit tired of all these third places since the 2008 Olympics, my nickname in Sweden has been Silver Emma, which is not so good. But turn into Bronze Emma, just forget it. So I hope I can go back to Chalet and, co- and copy my last ride and victory there. <laughs> 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 and on Sunday, she did just that. She went to the first round of the Coupe de France, the Chalet Pays de Loire, and won the race.
0: So she's on form, and you're predicting her as a hot favourite for Sunday.
1: You know what? I think she'll totally be there, Dan. I think she's, um, yeah. If you look down the recent Palmyra, she came second in 2011. She came, th- and in 2009, she came third in 2010. You know, Emma, if you wanted to get a short, you know, if you wanted to get a good bet for who's going to be on the podium outside of Mariana, then you're going to go for Emma. Um, can she beat Mariana? Who knows? This is going to be a great race.
0: Well, um, it's actually a situation where the the strength of Orica as a team at the moment could possibly really, really play into all of that, couldn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the way that Orica, if I were Orica, I'd just be sending my riders up the road over hmm. and over and over again, as they love to do.
0: Yes. Dear, dear Orica, watch what the Dutch team did at the Olympic road race last year and do that.
1: Yes, and you know, and but, but also, dear everyone else, don't chase because last year um last year the Americans did a lot of chasing down of attacks and it was the American national team and it was a little bit bizarre because that's Mariana's job.
0: Mm, mm. When yes. you're
1: when you're when you're racing against Voss, what are you thinking? Don't chase anyone else down. I know
0: well maybe that's maybe that's the responsibility of some of the elder states people of the peloton though the states women I should say um, to, to educate these uh, these these other writers that you know in this particular form of diplomacy we're not actually playing every team for themselves we're playing every team against Mariana
1: well exactly, but speaking of elder states from another the podium mm. of the peloton, the woman I'd think who'd be perfectly placed to do that in a Yoko Tutenberg is out for the spring season.
0: Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure everyone was listening last week and, and heard the story of, of Ina's horrendous, um, you know, attempt at uh, self-controlled plastic surgery on the roads <laughs> um, with, with mixed results, according to several of the writers who witnessed her. Um, yeah. So not entirely surprising that she's out for a while, but very disappointing nonetheless.
1: Yeah, I mean, she she tweeted that it was her face injuries are healing fast, but the doctors have said that the concussion.
0: Right. She well, needs to. Yeah. Concussions aren't the kind of thing that you fuck around with. Uh, I mean, and honestly, like we all castigate every time we see these, you know, like in the in the men's peloton, you know, some guy comes off his bike, bounces on his head fourteen times, gets up, hops back on his bike, and rides off. And it's like, yeah, fuck no, you don't do that. Brain injuries are serious. Like. You know, yeah. I, I don't give a, f- a shit if he can ride his bike. He's not. That's the you know new law. Um, so yep. totally respect uh, the doctor's call in in that sort of regard. I would much rather Eno with an intact brain, uh, yes. than, than back on the bike. As much as I'd love to have her back on the bike. Uh, yeah. But speaking of crashing, then um, how is you know because well, I mean the poor team is taking a beating at the moment, quite literally. How's Evie Stevens doing?
1: I mean, Evie Stevens. Um, Evie Stevens was riding the classica città di Padova um, in Italy on Saturday, and she uh, was involved in a crash, hit a curb, and it pains. Me. I can't. You can't see how much I'm cringing to say this. She's lost a load of teeth and got various facial injuries, and was tweeting that she needs a plastic surgeon and a dentist.
0: Which is terrible. That's terrible. Oh, it's truly Evie. terrible. At the same time, though, uh, Sarah, you know, I'm willing to be the the kind of assholeish guy for once. Um, I know that normally that's your role on this podcast, but <laughs> I'm I'm willing to go out there on, on a limb and say there is part of me that is like I really want to see a photo of Evie smiling with gappy teeth. I kind of really do.
1: Ebby, oh, I hope you recover fully and. Better and a back to girding and making all your Evie like facial expressions.
0: Um, well, I hope that too. I just would like to, you know, see you see a grown up Evie as a six year old with missing teeth photo. That's all.
1: Oh, it's um, it's such depressing times. Actually, you know, some of my favorite my favorite riders are just kind of being axed. You know, one after the other, domino topple. Um, we spoke. Well, last, I think I think there's
0: a clear and simple solution to this. Can you please stop liking riders? it's <laughs> a safety it's a safety issue Sarah
1: are you suggesting I need to find a new sport oh, oh, oh shit
0: oh, in that case I need to find a new podcast we're fucked aren't we <laughs> <laughs> hey, new, we new plan cover... let's apologise in advance to the writers
1: <laughs> yeah or, or you know or let's cover something where those bastards deserve it like American College Football or something like <laughs> that American school, high school football, yes.
0: Uh, it it um, does not need any more attention at this point in time, and I fear for the, the sheer amount of fury that I'd unleash if we'd gone into that topic, so.
1: <laughs> yes, yes,
0: mm. yes. Best avoided, yes. I think.
1: I think so. Anyway, yes, yeah, so Ebby's out. Um, Sharon Laws, Sharon Laws was taken out in a crash in the Cape Argos stage race. She's got mm. cracked vertebrae, she's got fractured vertebrae, collarbone plated in about a hundred places and she had um she had some uh, although ashley was tweeting that she was up on her feet and out of icu oh thank goodness um it was slightly depressing reading sharon's tweets about how she is basically can't come off the morphine because it just hurts so much and uh, sharon all my thoughts sharon ina lisa lot evie all the riders who've been taken out in the last couple of weeks, I my, my my strongest thoughts, best vibes, best wishes with you all for a speedy, speedy, speedy recovery, because you're all awesome, and you don't deserve that shit.
0: Yes, absolutely. and And we want to see you all racing again.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. And Ina's, I mean, Ina's loves the Spring Classics. She loves Flanders. And it's just, you know, Ina's final, I'm so old season. And look, you know, I mean, I hope she can, I hope she decides to come back because I can kind of think that you might at this point be going, oh, fuck it.
0: (laughs) I think, I think Ina should be like the, the um, podium presenter at the rest of the Spring Classics.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. like she should be handing out the trophies and the the. No, you know.
1: I've got something better. Yeah, commentator.
0: Oh yes, well she can commentate our live stream because you know, I'd take that I for would, sure.
1: I would pay serious money to have Yoko Tutenberg commentate races. I just, I think she'd be
0: hilarious. What are you doing? <laughs> Attack now, you stupid cows!
1: <laughs> Why are you chasing us? boss's job, fuck!
0: <laughs> Actually, it, 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 it would almost replace race radio if we could somehow, you know, broadcast it with live speakers around the races. Oh. 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 Ina provides live tactical (laughs) advice to the Peloton.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ride faster!
0: (laughs) You're riding like a bunch of men.
1: Oh, I love, I honestly, I think, I think everything should be commentated by Ina. If I had my way, um, dear Christy Scrimgeour, um, I'm sure you could have, Ina. Uh, if you wanted to make a lot of publicity for the team, just anything with Ina, she's just awesome. <laughs>
0: uh, Sarah's not at all biased, not even a little bit, so, you know. Well,
1: you know, I have an equal opportunities love for every single rider in the peloton. Um, Someone was asking me if there are any riders I don't like, and I think I got up to four.
0: Oh, see, I'm now crippled, because I kind of want you to name names, but I'm pretty sure (laughs) if I ask you to, we're going to get into some dangerous legal territories. Well, it's more... (laughs) I'll I'll wait for after we finish recording.
1: (laughs) Actually five if I include Vania Rossi, but yes, most of them do just have the word doping might come into my um like my dislikes. But yes. Um mm. so yeah, so, so Binder moving right along. <laughs> so <laughs> Binda is there's um so if you want to watch a ridiculous Race, um there is a highlights program on Rye Sport Two, on which is streamed on the internet uh, on sa- on Sunday the twenty fourth of March, and the lives and the, and the program goes out between six fifteen and seven fifteen in the evening uh, European time. Now,
0: <laughs> yes,
1: this is one of those local only streams. But if any, if you have ways around that, that's I totally recommend it and if any of the internet pirates are listening i'd never encourage you to go near that at all no 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 not at all you do a terrible job
0: it um is is illegal and completely moral i mean immoral i mean you know what i mean um and not something that we endorse in any way whatsoever nor do we ever take advantage of it except except for the times when we do but we don't (laughs) So. You know
1: what, I think they're kind of more the um, flashy Errol Flynn type pirates than the Somalian pirates.
0: Oh, I would so totally be an Errol Flynn pirate if that was a choice. Is that a choice? Why okay, didn't if they tell me be, about that at careers day? That would be interesting.
1: If cool. you could be an Errol Flynn pirate, yes. a pirate of the Caribbean pirate, Ooh. Or, um, or a Somalian pirate with big guns, which one would you be?
0: I've already got big guns. Errol Flynn all the way.
1: Oh god, I didn't, oh I should have walked straight gun into guns. that, didn't
0: you? I <laughs> straight in.
1: Straight. But I actually I've only recently known what guns mean in that context. So, you know, it's uh okay, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Muscles on his arms, ladies. Oh, or did you mean actual guns? I was
0: I was nodding. Um, <laughs> 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 no, I live in Australia dear. We don't do guns.
1: Moving right on. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Binda No, seriously,
0: seriously. The last last scandal we had in the clock tower was when a couple had sex in one of the clock towers in the heart of Sydney City last year.
1: I don't know how that relates to guns,
0: but... You know, the, the lone sniper from the clock tower. See, all you need to do is send up a willing a willing partner, and uh, problem solved. <laughs>
1: okay, uh, moving on.
0: Uh, oh, thank you, thank you for not it. making that awkward.
1: I love it when you make me speechless with yeah, speechlessness. <laughs> It doesn't happen very often in my life but 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 quite a lot happens when I'm talking to you.
0: Uh it's one of my skills.
1: Oh, uh, so yeah, so right oh the other thing is is that is that Binder is going to be the first race world cup of the year where um there's going to be a, 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 high, a little small highlights clip show of it, put onto the UCI website within hours of the race finishing. So watch out for that. Yeah, I'll I've heard that, that, that story
0: before. You know, we'll see. I mean, wasn't uh, wasn't there a, a recent case of you know World Cups going to be shown live?
1: Oh, uh, I, I I I I firmly believe this one's true.
0: Alright, you you believe, I'll be the sceptic. I'm Scully, you're Mulder. Let's go.
1: I never watched that show either. Oh my god, Dan
0: thinks I'm you such You are a failing man- at pop, pop culture pop- in a big way. Like, in the biggest way. <laughs> you fail pop culture, Sarah. This is terrible. I, I cannot emphasise enough how how much of a tragedy this is.
1: I don't even know which one is the girl out of Mulder and Scully.
0: Oh, for fuck's sake. I just... Well, I guess, yeah, fair enough. Turnabout is fair play. You rendered me speechless. So, (laughs) wow. Holy Uh, shit.
1: Shall we get back to the weekend's racing? Because we've mentioned things in passing. Okay. So... Uh, the Chenet Prez de Loire was Sunday, and that was the first round of the Coupe de France, which is a season-long series of day races, French day races, generally dominated by French riders, or you know, for obvious reasons, but this year won by Emma Johansson.
0: Oh, right, yeah, of course, she's not French, my mistake. And
1: I... There's so much interesting <laughs> things came out of this race. So, as far as I can tell from the race reports, um, Audrey Cordon from VNF Futuroscope and Emma were really super into attacking, and Team Tibco as well did a lot of work. But not necessarily the kind of work some people appreciated, because um, in the race report on the Orica AIS re- website, Emma... I don't think Emma and Shelley Olds are best friends. Why would you say that? I I'm just having a vibe that perhaps perhaps they don't invite each other to their birthday parties, and you know, and that's... they're not. I, I don't. Yeah, that's sad. Um, that's sad. been it, it's. I mean, I love I mean, cycling is one of those things where in the last couple of race reports from from racers, there's been a little bit of a mention of um, Shelley Olds being in breaks and. Um, you know, wanting it to come to a sprint finish so you can sprint past everyone and win.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think that's an unreasonable desire exactly. for a sprinter. That's exactly. just my opinion, exactly. but you know.
1: Exactly, and actually, you know, why work and burn all your matches when you can, you know, when 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 you, when you don't have to? Yeah. And I mean, in, it's kind
0: uh, of the fault of the break for bringing a sprinter with them, really, isn't it? It's, <laughs> yeah. you know, and in the trend, hey guys, who's going to be in the break today? I'll pick you and you and you and yes, we definitely need a sprinter, so you come along too. Nah, no, that's not no. how I pick my breaks. That's that's all I'm saying.
1: Exactly. What you want in the break is you and you and you and you and, you and I can write you all shit hot Shit hot rulers who'll get me to the end, and then I can race past you all. Yeah, That's and, and
0: out of this group, I'm the sprinter. So fuck you all. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you pick a breakaway, kids.
1: Exactly, but you know, I but you know what I think is so interesting is getting to see some of this playing out. I mean, I am sure you know. I'm looking at the ORACA reports, and you know, and and um, and actually, in Drensa Act, I think. Shelley, it's either driven to or, or less than in. Shelley had crashed about four times, so it was amazing she could ride with a break. You know, so it's not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily hundred um, percent necessarily not wanting to work. But yeah, um, all I can say is I love me cycling polemica. I love me cycling feuds and arguments and gossip and things like that because I am a small-minded person.
0: Doesn't it, though? Like, even the word polemica sounds like some kind of small, summery, citrusy fruit that's just a little bit tart, but oh, so delicious.
1: Exactly. And can I have a polemica cocktail, please? Yes. And then I'll have a a polemica tart.
0: Oh, we've got to make a polemica cocktail. I think it has pims in it just from the top of my head. Um, oh, holy shit, and ginger. We're making a Polemica cocktail. Oh, oh fuck
1: Ginger, can yeah. I have ginger and lime in it, Dan? Can yes. I have ginger and lime and yes. raspberry?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and then God. maybe a sprig of fresh mint on the top, tall glass with ice. Genius!
1: Oh, fuck! I mean, that sound, You're going to have to make sure that's not just a Kentucky Derby. But, yes, Dan, by next week, can you have designed me a Polemica cocktail, please?
0: Uh, by next week I'll be sitting here with a jug of polemica cocktail getting fucked up while you anchor the cast again.
1: <laughs> and another thing. And
0: another thing. I don't understand why these races aren't on, on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah,
1: I mean, Polemica is delicious and tasty and um, and refreshes you. And, yes, I please, Orica, I'm, you know, you've got to love a team that also puts out – they've got a very good media strategy. So I'm really enjoying their race reporting at the moment. Let's have more of it. But, yeah, um, so uh, Emma and Audrey Cordon and Shelley Olds were out in a break, and the break got reeled back in and read Emma's race report to see her take on it. And then Audrey Cordon attacked again. And Emma went with her and passed her and won the race. Well, so Emma Johansson, Audrey Cordon, and Yolian Duhour De- De of Lotto bringing back a, the, the, a big group in 10 seconds afterwards. But it's not all good news for Orica. Okay. So all right, hang on. in Europe just, this just,
0: year. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Deep breath. Whew. Deep breath. Whew. All right. I'm, I'm holding my desk. I'm braced. Blad on me. Okay.
1: In the five European races that Emma Johansson has so far won, has so far raced and come third, mm. in each of those races, she was riding for her trade team, Orica AIS. Mm. In the chalet pays de loire which Emma won, she was riding for the Swedish national team. <laughs> so, Emma, I... You know, will ever come third in the Trophy Alfredo Bindler since she's wearing her Orica jersey. That's all I'm saying.
0: Oh, so you think it's the jersey jinx?
1: I, I you know, It's a great team. It's a lovely team, you yep, know.
0: Yep, um, yep. But, you know, it could be the jinx the jersey. It could indeed. It's um, hard to say. I mean, that's going to be interesting. If if Orica suddenly comes out with a new jersey partway through the season, we'll know. We, we're going to well, know what what that is.
1: To be fair... Um, I love Orica. They do a really good job, except when it came to designing their Swedish national champions jersey. Pretty,
0: some... sh- pretty sure the team doesn't actually design the jersey. Although maybe they do. Maybe that explains a lot.
1: They paid for it. Well, yes. I mean, you know, but you know how there are some national champions jerseys that it should be impossible to fuck up, yeah? Fabian Cancellara in the Swedish national champions jersey. It should just be red with a giant white cro- Swedish. Ah, Fabian Cancelara in the Swiss National Champions jersey. It should just be a red jersey with a big white cross across him. It looks great, yeah? Mm. Until he went to Leopard Trek and then there was an abomination. Similarly, Emma Johansson, for every other team, they've gone with a very classic, beautiful blue jersey with a big yellow cross on on it, Swedish flag, stunning, looks great. You can see where she is. The Orica jersey. I'm sorry, Orica AIS. What were you thinking? Get Emma into proper blue and yellow, and she'll be back. That's She'll be. She'll be. She'll be yeah. winning.
0: Yeah, I can understand though, because you know, in Australia, like we have a really shit flag, and um, you know, it's and our national colours. Like I don't know why exactly, but like all our national jerseys are just shit. Like really shit. So. I, I mean, I think, I, I don't know, but I'm going to speculate and suggest, because the internet, it doesn't have enough speculation based on nothing. So here's my little bit to add to that. Um, is that, that Australians just can't design national jerseys because we've got no frame of reference for anything that, um, that, that we can relate to that's good.
1: But you have the green and gold.
0: Yeah, but our jerseys are so shit. Like, we could make good jerseys. I'm not disputing the colours, but we don't. And I don't know why that is, but but we don't.
1: Oh, my favourite Australian jersey was the Jayco AIS Track Trade Team jersey, as worn by Carly McCulloch um, in various track meets. And it is just... And and it was worn on the road by the Jayco AIS road team as well. And it's awful. It's got this... Terrible colours, a kangaroo, and the Jayco Swift on it. And it's just so bad it's good. Um, I love one of those jerseys, obviously, because, you know, great riders. But I, oh I, my.
0: I don't believe that so bad it's good is actually a design thing. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Um, oh, no. I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I, I don't believe that that is a legitimate design technique.
1: It is. So bad it's good. It, okay, right. In my world... Jerseys should be two things, yeah? They should either be minimalist, simple, uh, you know, very simple, mm. understated design. Um, you know, if you think about the cervello test team black jersey or yep. or the yep. you know Swedish National Jersey or the Swiss National Jersey, they should be very, very simple.
0: Yep. Or they should be classic yeah. like um Eddie Merck's Hot Like Elvis.
1: Yeah, Eddie Merck's Hot Like Elvis jersey. Or they should just be completely fucked up. They should be neon, swirly patterns, optical illusions, bells, whistles. You should look at them and your eyes should start to bleed. Um, How awesome awesome.
0: would it be if someone invented, um, you know, like... uh, uh, I was going to reference the movie Predator, but I just realised there's no point with you. Um, Everyone else in the world... Uh, you know the camouflage that the predator has, where it's all ripply and it just shows whatever's behind them, like that as a as a jersey, so no one would see you. It would be the perfect stealth kit, the stealth kit for riding. It'd be genius, genius. No. no all right, no, no, Sarah, no, no. you're allowed. You're allowed back in the conversation now.
1: What you want is the kind of kit that's got so many different bright neon colours and so many optical illusion swirls that the rider behind you gets a migraine and has to pull off.
0: Well, what's the point in that? They're already behind you.
1: Well, in, in the pack.
0: Well, yeah, but they're behind you. Like, you know... Big. You
1: don't. The winner, the winner of a bicycle race, Dan isn't the person who's been at the, who's at the front uh, of the start.
0: Excuse me, but Phil and Paul always say that you have to ride in the first twenty positions to win a bike race, or not crash, or be good at anything ever. So you know, and they've been talking shit for a long time, a lot longer than we have.
1: <laughs> We've got a long way to go before we get to Phil and Paul levels. I'm telling you that much. <laughs>
0: that makes that actually makes me feel a lot better about myself. <laughs>
1: You may be a bullshit artist, Dan, but you're not at Phil and Paul levels yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think, I think we've found a goal for the season, haven't we? <laughs>
1: that
0: that and the Polemica cocktail, which is definitely going to be a thing.
1: Oh, you know what? One day I'll come to Australia and I'll sit on your balcony of your flat overlooking the Sydney Harbour and drink Polemica cocktails.
0: Shit! I've got to move to somewhere with a view of the harbour.
1: <laughs> I thought all Australians live with them. All, all all Australians live in Sydney. Oh, no, some of them live on Bondi Beach.
0: It's it's okay, it's a capitalist economy, dear. If you can see water, you add an extra zero to the price.
1: I will I look forward to sitting on on the terrace of your Bondi Beach house.
0: <laughs> oh, good God! Or Manly. Okay. Manly do- if, if someone if someone would like to give me approximately six million dollars. Um, so that I can get a place for, for Sarah to to be satisfied with when she comes to visit. Uh, that would be much appreciated. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll never hear the end of it, and you all know how she can talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Chalet wasn't the only race this week. There was the Classica Città de Padova, which was in Padova, um, so that was the one where Evie crashed and mm. lost her teeth. Ouch! Poor Ebby, that's just not right. Um, this uh, so Cholet was a hilly race, yeah. It's yeah. hilly. It's in France. Hurrah! Padova is a is a lappy, critty, sprinty. It's not a crit, but you know what I mean. It's kind of fast, furious sprinters. And
0: well, it's kind <laughs> of shocking then that um, that it went the way it did.
1: I know. Well, it nearly didn't go the way it did, because uh, B-Pink's Naomi Cantale and Alina Am- Amielusik were out in a breakaway that was only caught with one kilometre to go.
0: So, ah, heaps of time for a champion sprinter.
1: Yeah, it was won by Georgia Bronzini by a couple of bike lengths. Yes, Georgia is the two times world road champion and a track world champion to boot. Um, sprinting on Italian soil, Georgia won, Trixie Warwick in second, Marta Tagliaferro in
0: third. Mm, and Georgia is generally just fucking awesome, and that has nothing to do at all with the fact that she's on my VDS team.
1: <laughs> Georgia is awesome. So, you know, that was a nice race for wiggle honda um yeah what else happened this week ah oh, losing races yeah Did
0: we talk- did we talk shit. about
1: losing Rabo Stair last week?
0: We did. We did mention that, yes, and um, you know, I suggested that it was a great opportunity for some other Dutch bank to step in and, and make a name for themselves, which is still yeah. true. Um, I think this week, well, there are there are two things, but I was going to touch off with uh, the the race loss that was so unsurprising that it almost doesn't count as a loss because nobody actually expected it to be on.
1: Yeah um this week announced that the Exegy tour who had its inaugural race last week was cancelled
0: uh, last, uh, last year. Dear,
1: last last year. year, sorry, the inaugural race last year was cancelled. And by all it, by all report it was a great race to watch and a fun yeah. race to ride and you know good for american cycling it started off the year as hc category which is the uci's highest ranking for women's stage races, um and now it's not there and there was an interesting article on cycling news about how this didn't really come as a surprise to a lot of american teams
0: but it does call a lot of things into question and i think you know there's a really really important discussion to be had on on several levels around all of this um now, before we get any further into it, I, I think it is fair to to touch on the fact that Sarah got pulled into a little bit of controversy during the week because there was a, a thread on Podium Cafe about the loss of the race and, and Sarah um, made some comments and received a reply from someone uh, who identified themselves as Janet, the wife of the the owner-slash-CEO of Exegy. Um, we have no reason to assume that that's not true, but we also have no way of verifying if it's true so that's why it's a little bit of a an uh, qualified statement there but um but she took Sarah to task a bit and and talked about you know the huge investment and the the sort of draining effect it's had on her and her husband and and that sort of thing and if true that's that's definitely um sad and and I can understand on a personal and human level how that would be very upsetting. But I don't don't think that that changes the fact that there is a really, really important set of conversations to be had around what happened um, from Exegy's point of view because they weren't just funding this tour. They were heavily involved in a number of races, and they've also got the Exegy team Uh, and I'm sure astute uh, followers of, of the sport will know that um the cyclocross worlds held in kentucky uh at the start of the year were briefly in trouble because there was there was difficulty getting payments from exegy there are stories of lots of people with difficulties getting payments from Exeg. uh so one of the key questions for exegy or the management of Exeg is you know what went wrong in terms of clearly over committing the business to what they could afford um, and and payment schedules and things like that and and that sort of thing and it's not so much I say that it's not so much in blaming or, or pointing the finger at someone it's in trying to understand what actually happens so that we can look at setting up systems and processes that you know significantly minimize at the very least the risk of that happening again and that's the the second conversation that I'd really like to see about this because as you just mentioned Sarah the the UCI had the race categorized as HC. And it is worrisome to me that a new race—I I really, really don't like this idea of new races just because they're in, you know, different parts of the world or, or whatever—immediately being cater- categorised as top races, um, yeah. unless there is a more stringent framework in place to to actually guarantee that the race will be around. Um, will be somewhat sustainable i mean I know uh, i 'm not unrealistic about you know commercial realities and things change and and financing falls through and stuff like that and it does happen, but you know i I think collectively it can be done better, and I think there are multiple levels of responsibility that that need to you know really be considered um, and and part of that is in setting up a a clear framework and a path to building. A top level a 1.1 or, a, or an HC race where, um, you know, the UCI lays out the path and, and says, you know, at best, it's going to take you three years, three consecutive years to achieve an HC level race because we won't consider you for that level until you've existed that long or something like that, you know, and, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this happens with the World Tour, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, look at all the stuff that happened in the men's side about the Tour of Beijing.
0: Yep.
1: And races, and, and, and in a way, cycling's going to go more this way. There's the these talks about a breakaway league, which would have the thrilling, same, you know, exactly the same format of race just pl- pl- plumped in different countries around the world for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I well, don't agree which,
0: with it. I, well, I, I find that amazing anyway, because we already have that. It's called track and i i say that very genuinely like that is not a slur on track i know you like to say that i'm slurring track but i'm not that's the thing we already have a a, a series of events based in the same setting that travels around the world you know showcasing bike racing
1: yeah I mean yeah I mean it's, and and track is you know every track is incredibly different so mm. when they you know you, you can't take times for example as an, as necessary as an indicator of how good the racing was yep. when they had the track world championships in um in the in the Netherlands in Appleton uh last year that's that's a very different track to, um, to 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 you know one of the top range tracks like Beijing or London, which yep. are much faster. The yep. you know, tracks are different; they're differently designed. Some of them have longer longer yep. straights, and some of them have longer corners. But yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, you're right. I just I don't I don't think I mean the races I think have been really really clever about this. The races like Energy Watch Tour and the G P L C Jacobs, where they both started out um, as day races. Mm. And then they added on a couple more races and then they become a tour and then they've both become, they're sustainable, they have really strong backing, they have really innovative approaches to fundraising and that's what you do. But I mean, one of the things that surprised me about the comment made by this person, Janet, was she said that the cost of the race was $2.2 million.
0: Mm -hmm. Which is pretty astounding for, well, you know, a sport that is pretty much impoverished, really. Yeah.
1: and, and she also said that the race organiser had over, uh, race organiser medalist had overshot by $1.2 million on the budget. Mm-hmm. And, and this is interesting because the reason that, in, in Exeg's public statement, they said that the reason they couldn't run the tour this year was because no other sponsors would step in. But if you were being asked to provide $1.2 million for one race and you knew that $1.2 million could by you marquee name recognition on a whole range of women's races in the states. I can see why. I can see why they find it hard. If you know, if, if that's yeah. why it didn't happen, I but can see why they find it difficult.
0: I think this is also part of why um, the the whole idea of a, a UCI led. Um, framework for race establishment and growth is really important. And I, yeah. I, I just flag this by noting I, I am aware that I'm heading into the territory of speculation now, but I can see how it would be very easy, and, and I'm assuming a little bit that in the US in particular, um, culturally, sometimes seems to me as a country where it's easier to sell the grand vision. You know, so we're yeah. going to build the biggest and best women's race, the the you know a multi-day stage race that's really going to showcase the sport. It's going to be the best thing ever, and and that's the that's the grand vision, and that's what you sell, and that's sexy, and and it does sell, and it gets people on board, and it gets people excited, and you have a great time. But the truth is, you're not actually ready to to sustain that because you haven't built into it steadily, and. I would guess, it really is just a guess, but I would guess that something like that has been a factor. Whereas, you know, taking a more staid and and measured approach isn't as sexy. And in in a lot of ways may even actually be harder because, you know, you're talking about or I'm talking about, you know, doing things like requiring um, a, a key sponsor that can cover half the the budget for 3 years or something as a as a fundamental requirement to being ranked or or something like that for the race you know like something that says hey we're going to be around for multiple years and we've got enough guaranteed in place and we've got enough time that we can actually do this for x number of years and establish it as a thing and build it and and that sort of thing and stuff like and it was. You're absolutely right. It was a great race to watch. I had the best time. The Tour Tracker for the Exige Tour was fucking brilliant. Um, you know, I, and I just loved it. I could, I could log in and watch the races. Um, for me, the timing was perfect because I, you know, it'd be early morning. Um, yeah, it was. It was just great. But maybe, maybe it was just all all put together. It was just a bit too much to pull off on a regular basis starting from scratch you know it's sort of like sort of like taking off in top gear um you know it, it just it can be done but it's really fucking hard and it's probably easier to drop down a few gears start off a little slower and build up your speed as you go yeah mm. sad yeah. not sad. surprising but- no, Sad. not to but, but I do go back to my point. Um, and, and one of the things is that, that this this lady, Janet, did offer um, or did mention the possibility of doing an interview. And I, I really hope that, that that does happen because I, you know, making the best of a bad situation, I, I really do believe that there's a lot that we, the cycling community in general, can learn from hearing that side of the story, hearing from the, the race organisers, hearing from, well hearing from someone anonymously at the UCI so that we can actually get a useful comment um, and <laughs> and actually piecing together what what didn't work and then problem-solving collectively what we need to do to make it work because, you know, it, it's clear, we talk about this almost every week and it's actually quite fucking heartbreaking that almost every week we have another race that we get to talk about not being there anymore and yeah. obviously the sport can't survive if we, if we don't have races, and yeah. the, the, the churn of races is probably the single most damaging thing because it doesn't provide consistency for teams. It doesn't allow them to plan. It doesn't allow them to, in turn, say to their sponsors, we're going to be at all of these races. You know, you can take a list of 15 races and throw darts and, and hit three of them that are, are quite likely to not be there before yeah. the end of the season. And that's fucking brutal and in my opinion is probably one of the single most important things that the UCI really should be working on rather than just blithely launching races anywhere around the world get some fucking stability into the calendar please thank you very much
1: yeah um and it leaves the USA with no UCI ranked women's races at all and none in North America actually since we lost our Canadian races a couple of years so that's no on a whole you know a whole continent of North America. Mm. I mean, uh, that's, you know, one of the richest, one of the richest, one of the most developed continents in the world, and, and no one, race, one, races,
0: and and one of the more successful continents too in in professional women's road cycling. Like yeah. you know, they they really do perform, and so it is genuinely tragic. And you know, I've seen people suggest that um, the the ATOC, the Tour of California, should pick up the slack and and um, put on something uh, for the women beyond their showcase time trial, and you know, do I. Not-
1: Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Sorry, carry on.
0: Uh, okay, so um, so Sarah has feelings about that. All the feelings, apparently. Um, but but the point is the point is though that it's very clear that um, in the fan base, there's a real longing for, you know. Uh, uh, a women's showcase event in the US, and that's something that I fully support. And I mean, hell, look at the Cross worlds. I, I mean, and and look at the races that are put on in the US. They know how to put on races. They put on great races. Ask Helen Wyman; she'll tell you cross races in the US are the best. Um, yeah, and,
1: and, and the women's and the women's stage races out there. You know, I think mm. about the races like Redlands and all those amazing American stage races that are just. So much fun. Yep, yep. So much fun. And so, just
0: you know, there's there's clearly there's clearly um, you know a base there. What we collectively, and, and I'm not pointing the finger at anyone in particular, but what we as as fans and supporters and and people involved with women's cycling need to do is nut this one out. We've got to work out how it is that we put on uh, how we build, not put on. Actually, yeah, fuck. Language is important. Not put on how we build a serious, sustainable, lasting women's race in the US. Um,
1: Women's UCI-level race, I should say.
0: But but, but, but that said, I mean, in the same approach that... uh, I'm referencing the Wyman's uh, a lot. How shocking. Um, But in the the same way that Steph talks about slowly building his team into the the team that they want it to be, um, you know, the same approach for a race is a, a completely valid and very responsible approach you know, it doesn't have to be a UCI race to start with, you know, the the, the key thing is where it's going to end up, not where it starts, and so, yeah. you know, I think that's a really important lesson, is that what you your starting point is never your finishing point ever, and it's one of the things that, that this lady Janet said in her comment is that there was a steep learning curve for them in the first year putting the race on. They learnt a lot and they made mistakes. Now I accept that. You know I I think the degree of mistakes and the nature of certain aspects of those mistakes are are more egregious than others, but you know I can accept that the thing is that when you try to implement your grand complete overall vision and you're not able to to sustain that then i think you've made a fundamental stake mistake as your starting point you know uh, there's no there's no lasting value in having the best stage race in women's cycling in the u.s for one year
1: yeah you know,
0: and I, I genuinely say that with no ill will. The, the the statement released this week says that they hope that they'll be back in two thousand and fourteen and I hope the race will be back in two thousand and fourteen, uh, regardless of how it's structured and who it's supported by, because it was a fucking great race and I'd love to I'd love to see it again. Yeah. Uh
1: the other interesting thing about this, Dan, is that the UCI implemented this new category, HC, for
0: state women's stage races. Yeah, does anyone know what the fuck HC is? I mean... Um, Orc or, or category? Oh, yeah, no, I know that. But, I mean, in terms of, like, what what is it that makes a race HC? What's, why is HC well, suddenly...
1: Well, basically, they've now got one left. Yep. There's only one race left that's HC category, and that's the Gira Toscana.
0: Oh, okay, I thought you were going to say it was the UCI headquarters um, office car park crit.
1: That's not a stage race, Dan.
0: Oh, you haven't seen that car park. It's pretty fucking I mean, big.
1: There is there's something weird about the women's race rankings anyway, yeah. Um mm. Carl Lima was making jokes about the fact that, you know, all these incredible racers um in Europe are like classed as one point two, which is, you know, the, the lower the lower category of UCI registered. And yet some really surprising races are categorised point one.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, and it turns out, you know, it turns. Out, I think you know, there's different things that a race has to do to be point one. And you know, for example, providing hotels and and providing good stuff for teams, which you know I think is necessary. But you know, you have to wonder if you were the the two Drentha races that were on either side of the Ronde van Drentha, yeah you, know, you don't really need to care whether you're point 1 or point 2 do you because you know you're going to have an amazing field it's going to be a super shit hot field equally omloop doesn't matter what category it is it's one of the most important races of the year and that's you know i think that's something the uci is is going to re- is really not picked up on yeah, they, and, they've introduced and this and category that doesn't that you know races have either collapsed out of it or have dropped down from being H T category hmm. no one's going to be up there but the top racers races like the Giro Donna, doesn't matter what category it is, that's the stage race to win. Yeah. You know, twin and run Doesn't matter what category that is, that's one of the best stage races of the year. You know, well, it's just uh, uh, it but, makes me laugh.
0: But that's that's the thing. It, it's more a comment on the the stupidity and arbitrariness of the, the categorization system than it is on the races. You know, yeah. and I mean, it, it's pretty clear when you look at the races. I said this last week, and I, I do think it's true. It's pretty clear when you look at the races. that You know, for example, that Carl was talking about that the UCI is pushing their globalization agenda by ranking these these other races, newer races, higher to ensure that some teams go to them just to, to give yeah. give them oh. new, new fields and stuff. And,
1: and 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 the other thing about it is they're ranking it higher so that. Any local teams in, for example, South America, can, um, Central America and South America, can then get enough UCI points so that they can race at Worlds.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's understandable to a certain extent, but I don't think that that's an appropriate way to do it without... Um, as you say, taking the rest of the calendar into account and actually, you know, providing consistency, balance, and and usefulness around the whole thing. I at the moment too much of this, in my opinion, um, from the the administrative body level, is ad hoc and made up on the fly. And you know, I I just think it really really needs to be handled better. Um,
1: yeah more
0: yes. more to the point i I'll, I'll be really blunt and say i'm broadly of the opinion that professional um sports leagues shouldn't be managed by the sports governing bodies anyway so you know i i would argue for something different but that's a conversation for a different podcast so yes.
1: and, and and you know we've just been very very happy and smiley and positive <laughs> Actually, I did something this week that just I'm still smiling about.
0: Oh, is this your birthday list?
1: No, no, it's not my birthday <laughs> list. But if, if, if you know, yeah, um, I went to the launch of Matrix Fitness Racing Academy. You mentioned Steph Wyman, yes. your man crush, who's the DS of, of Matrix. Um, how, Matrix. How tall is a, Steph?
0: I need to know how tall is Steph.
1: He's not very tall.
0: Yeah, I had a feeling. Mm, I'm Big Bear, he's Little Bear. Awesome.
1: I don't know if you know the implication of that statement, but I'll tell you about it later. Yes,
0: I do. That's part of why I made the joke.
1: Anyway, Matrix is a British based team. They're they're setting themselves up as a kind of well, I guess as a kind of development squad, uh this this you know this, this year. They race the English races and then they race some European races. And you may have noticed that we do love the Wymans, Steph with the team and Helen with her cross exploits. But they had this amazing vision of what a team launch should be so we started up in the headquarters of Volpine who were helping them out with the launch and then they sent each rider out with a different team of photographer slash blogger slash writer and then we all came back and went to the pub uh look mum no hands which is an amazing cycle cafe in London with lots and lots of Belgian beer and they invited everyone it was like oh it was like it was celebrating the role of everyone involved in the team. You know, you had the riders, the sponsors, the organisers, the people behind the scenes, and the fans. <laughs> and it was a joint launch for they invited. Well, they invited every every British team if they wanted to come along to the launch. But um, so they had a joint I I launch.
0: heard. I heard Wigo was planning to come, but um, had a, a scheduling clash and couldn't make it at the last minute. Ah! So. Ah!
1: They had um, so they launched a little, a little, another little British team, Bonito, and they also launched the London Women's Cycle Racing League. And it was, it was such a great night. There were hello, 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 especially Caroline and Nikki. I'm waving at you. Hi. Um, I met so many people I'd only ever talked to on the internet, and I met. There were journalists. There were Twitterati. There were Podium Cafe people. There were just. It was just this brilliant packed out happy celebration of women's cycling the women's cycling community and that is how team launches should be i was i had a very good time um i went to london zoo with harriet owen one of their riders because i was like oh well you know photo opportunities what better opportunities are there than going to the zoo and it was awesome we had an ace day and i think
0: i did like the photo of her riding the turtle um I'm a big fan of, of animals, what should not be ridden.
1: <laughs> Demonstrating her sprint, uh, sprint tactics on the back of a turtle. Yes, mm. she was an awesome rider. Um, only 19 definitely got her head screwed on. I really, really enjoyed my day. But yeah, but very interesting because it kind of involved the whole women's cycling community and I, I really like that. I really like this thing of of recognizing you know sometimes you read blogs from male cyclists, and there was a big space in them last year where you know and David Brailsford was having a go on um, in interviews this week about the role that twitter 's played on cycling journalism yeah. and how he feels that cycling journalism is unfairly led by people demanding. That
0: they <laughs> that did demanding. make me laugh it made me laugh so hard that Dave they were demanding Brailsford...
1: journalists asked the questions that they were interested in hearing about
0: I know and that and the journalists were following the lead of people on Twitter insisting that they ask hard questions. <laughs> Like in the history of everything has anyone ever before actually gone public to complain, Oh no, they want me to do my job <laughs>
1: <laughs> And if it wasn't for Twitter, those journalists would just carry on asking the bland, boring, stupid. They questions. just they and just, just sorry, talk what? about
0: how awesome and nice we were and, and, and marginal gains and and yeah. all that shit. I mean,
1: What I want to know, where are these journalists who can be persuaded on Twitter to ask the difficult questions? Because I want to ask Dave Brailsford, Performance Director of British Cycling, what the fuck you're doing about women's cycling? (laughs) (laughs) So if anyone's listening who knows of or is a journalist who can be persuaded to ask difficult questions on Twitter, let me know. I I've got some too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sarah's got a list she prepared earlier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but oh no, journalists asking hard kind of questions. I mean, it's not it's not as though, for example, there's been a really big issue with um, cycling journalists being hamstrung, bullied. Threatened and sued by Lance Armstrong, for example, for daring to ask ask difficult questions. You know, I think we should go back to those days. Quite frankly,
0: <laughs> yes, it was much better when everyone kept their mouths shut and didn't ask questions at all. I
1: know. So, <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was clearly yeah. the
0: purest, the purest part of cycling's storied history. So yes. Mm. Um,
1: the other thing I saw this week, Dan, which has been around for ages, I'm late to the party, I know, was this great website run by Accidental Bizarro on Twitter. Her <laughs> website's called Revs Per Minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, have, um, you, collect- have you, dear listener, ever found yourself uh, twitching in your sleep?
1: Yeah, have you, dear listener, ever found yourself waking up and having a really fucked up dream about the time when Fabian Cancellara told you off because you were riding wrong on the Alpe d'Huez? <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, you know, I, I think of some people we know, Dan, who've had some slightly different kind of dreams about cyclists.
0: Well, see, I, I think daydreams and directed fantasies are different to actual dreams. <laughs> but... But it's not my website, so I don't get to make the rules. So, yes.
1: Yeah. So this website, revs per minute, is a website. It, the sub, the sub, the subtitle is "I Dream of Yenzi." <laughs> it collects dreams that people have had about pro cyclists, and also dreams that pro cyclists have admitted to on Twitter. <laughs> So, if you ever go to bed having eaten too much cheese um, or slightly over excited about Pariru Bay and find your, or, or the Trofeo Al- Alfreda Binder, for example, and mm. find yourself dreaming about cyclists, submit
0: your dream because it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dream big, people. Dream big. Um, so, Sarah, was... when are we going to get your, your dreams about Pat McQuaid on there?
1: Well, you said it was. You said it was for um, subconscious. Oh right, yes,
0: things. not not for directed fantasy. Sorry, my exactly. mistake. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So yes, yeah, so it's been a it's been a fun week. We've got the World Cup on on Sunday.
0: Mm. Yes, yes, we do, and we're leading into you know like the the really big glut of of spring classics, which is awesome. So very oh. excited.
1: Yeah. And, um, keep an eye on our, on, on our site people, because if you remember last year's unofficial unsanctioned social media Jersey that Dan and I ran, ran, which, uh, which basically raised money and gave a Jersey to the riders that, well, 11 riders in the end that got prizes for, for the best social media we could see. Um, we're going to launch that very, very soon. Um, so if you see any blogs, videos, uh, uh, podcasts, uh, tweets, stories on Twitter.
0: You f- if you find a photo of Evie with gap teeth, uh, then you know, make a note of that shit.
1: Yeah, make a note of anything by pro women's uh, by professional women's cyclists. Keep a note of it um, and it and submit it to us once the once we open the competition. But yeah, yeah. we're very excited. We loved. The response last year was completely overwhelming and we're very very happy to be starting this again. Um yeah, look yeah. what what what's on our website.
0: We're very excited. Um our plans this year are a little bit more ambitious thanks to the overwhelming response we got last year, which is awesome. Um and as always, you know, even though the plans are a little more ambitious, the goal is to give as much as possible straight to to women cyclists. So, you know, um be prepared. Start saving your pennies now, and um, and get get ready to to deal out the most exciting, coolest, uh, unofficial, unsanctioned UCI women's cycling prize ever. Ever. Ever.
1: So um, hopefully we'll have that up by next week's podcast. Indeed, says, indeed. Done meaningfully.
0: Yes, um, with a subtle clue that he, being a man, could not get. So you know. <laughs> and then on that cheerful note, we bid you adieu. Goodbye, Let's dear listener. Lo- Goodbye.
1: Have a lovely week. May you dream of cycling every night.
0: Mm, really dirty, sexy dreams. Or normal, you know, muddy dreams. Or <laughs> dogs chasing parked cars. Whatever. It's all dirty
1: right. dreams or dirty dreams, whichever one suits you best. Indeed. All right, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Big bear and little bear.